Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Well, for those that come to Solid Rock, those that watch online faithfully, those that's been coming recently, you know that during this return from the pandemic, we have been peeling the onion, y'all. We've been peeling back some stuff that the, that the devil is trying to trick us with, and he's, he's working to get us to buy in to some so-called new normal. That, that we're going to somehow never be able to praise God like we used to. Never going to be able to be who we used to be. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and accept that. I don't want to be who I used to be. I want to be more anointed. I want to be closer to God. I want to be more passionate about my worship. There is going to be a new normal, but it ain't the new normal they're trying to push on me. We're going to peel that onion a little bit further today. If you go back in our sermon series, you'll begin to see that onion begin to peel with a series called Snake Bitten. And we, we uncovered some things of that stupid, slimy snake and the remedy that God gave us, the antidote on the cross. Oh, yeah, are y'all with me already this morning? Somebody shout, preach on, Pastor Larry. Then we moved from Snake Bitten till we took this term that you keep hearing all the time about social distancing. And I have to always say this, for those that are watching from the CDC and, and Big Brother, I want everybody to know it, Big Brother, I'm not saying not uh, to uh, social distance, but I'm just saying that I just got tired of hearing that word because every time I looked at it, it was, it was a good intention word and still is a good intention and a safe thing to do. I'm not saying that it's not, but in people's mind, he had gone, it had transferred from a social distance to a social disconnect. How many knows we have a generation now that mentally have already disconnected from other people? When this thing is over with, they did a poll the other day. They said once this thing is deemed to be under control, now I want you to listen to this, at least half of the people that wear a mask faithfully everywhere they go have said that when this thing is completely un, under, under, uh, in, in control, they will probably continue to wear a mask for the rest of their life. Everywhere they go. For the rest of their life. Because they think it's a good thing. Do you understand what I just said? Almost half of the people that are currently wearing a mask continuously have stated that they're going to continue to wear a mask forever. What has happened is now that has become a mental thing. Are y'all hearing me, church? Do y'all know that this is, not, this is a deadly virus? This is not a hoax. It's a very deadly virus. But you do know there's been other viruses. You do know there's been other deadly things that have happened. But we got to make sure that when we come out of this thing, that we, when we look back on this thing, that we became the people that God wanted us to become and not withdrawing ourselves into a place where we cannot continue to be what God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. I can tell this is going to be a fun day for some of y'all. Now, if you were here last week, you remember I had a fan set up here on part one of this series called Reconnect. Because I ain't going to preach a series called Disconnect and not tell you how to reconnect. What kind of pastor will preach on a disconnection and not tell you how to reconnect? 
I had that fan sitting up right here and it was plugged in and man, it was feeling so good. And, the, and when I was close to it, I could feel that breeze, that refreshing breeze. It was amazing. But the world is attempting to continually to social disconnect us to a place where we're moving further and further and further away from the wind of God, away from the presence of God, away from the people of God. But we're still telling ourselves, oh my God, I'm about to really peel this on you right here. We're still telling ourselves, I can still feel the fan so I'm good. How many knows if if the fan is in the living room and you're in the kitchen, you may still feel it, but you don't feel it like you feel it in the living room. But when you are disconnected, you've now convinced yourself, as long as I get a little bit of the fan, I'm still good. But what you don't realize is we are, as people, are never the same forever. When we are on a, a trajectory, in good or bad, if something doesn't happen to stop us, we will continue to go that in that trajectory. So even though you might feel it a little bit here, without something happening in your life and probably without you making a declaration that I'm tired of going backwards, you're going to continue to go backwards and you're going to continue to tell yourself you're okay and then you're going to get to the place where some people are where they still got that extension cord in their hand and they don't feel the fan anymore and they tell themselves this, well, you know what? I've been, I love the good Lord. I love the Lord. He knows my heart. I don't know if I even really need that thing called church anymore. And now you're not only out of the way of the breeze, you've now disconnected yourself from the way to get back to it. Are you hearing me? So the church has got to guard itself. Be smart. Be cautious. Protect yourself. Be safe. Do everything you feel in your heart to, be, to make you and your family feel safe. This is not a sermon that's not saying that. I'm just saying while you are doing that, remember, not only are you being affected, but the influence that you have with your children, with your family, with your spouse, with your neighborhood. People know who you are in God, and they are watching to see how you respond. And they are going to follow you. Whether you think you have influence or not, you do. Are y'all hearing me? See, one of the reasons that there is a fear on such a level that we have disconnected ourselves is because there is a fear of transmission of the virus. Can y'all hear me? I said a fear. Grab this, brother. Thank you, sir. Of the transmission of a virus. Because they say this virus is transmitted by droplets of speaking, singing, communication. Can get on your hands, touch things, touch people, and it is transmitted. Mm, I'm about to preach. 
See, they say when when it transfers, it transfers through speaking. It transfers through singing. It transfers through touching. It transfers through gathering. They say the only way that it will not transfer is to not speak without a covering, not sing, not touch, and not gather. Mm. I've told you many times, the scripture tells us, and I'll show you the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, teaches us this. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. In other words, God says he can't reveal spiritual mysteries first and then have natural instances try to teach us to understand the spiritual principles. Because our mind doesn't work that way. Our our mind processes things in the world in which we live. So God takes natural things and helps us understand the natural things first and then reveals a revelation of a spiritual principle and says, if you really want to know what I'm trying to say, it is like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. I mean, I want you to be like a tree. You know what a tree is. You know a tree is planted. You know there's roots that go down. It's going to make sure it's planted by rivers of living water. So even when a drought comes, that tree is going to survive. So we understand the spiritual principle is you need to plant yourself at a place where you're going to be fed, where you're going to be nourished. Are y'all hearing me? Nicodemus comes to him in the middle of the night, sneaks in as one of the most influential religious leaders in all of of Jerusalem, sneaks in for fear of his life and says, teacher, we know that you are a great man, but I'll be honest with you, I could get in a lot of trouble for being here, so that's why I'm here at night. But I got a question to ask you. What do I need to do to be a part of your kingdom? Well, Jesus could have broke it down spiritually and say, well, let me just tell you what happens at the spiritual birth. Let me just tell you, this is what happens in the, in, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to die. You're going to, in the spirit realm. And he could have he went so deep on so many different things that would come later in Revelation. It would have made no sense even to this smart, intelligent man named Nicodemus. So he took something simple and he used something simple that he knew whether it was Nicodemus, and I'm so thankful it's in our Bible because it wasn't just for Nicodemus. How many how knows God is awesome? He said that to Nicodemus because in his infinite wisdom, he knew that what he said to Nicodemus would help us understand as well thousands of years later. He said, Nicodemus, you want to be a part of my kingdom? You must be what? Born again. Well, we know that it worked because immediately his mind went to the natural. What are you trying to say? He didn't get it yet, but it went to the purpose of why Jesus said it. He says, what do you mean? Do I need to enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born? I don't get it. He goes, no, Nicodemus, you'll get it. But here's why I say you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's already happened. But there's going to come a spiritual birth that that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Are y'all hearing me, church? So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Even though God, I truly believe that God did not create this virus and send it to us to kill people with and to make people sick, it is of the devil. Can I get an amen? How many knows that stupid devil is the one that's doing this? But God can use things that the devil is doing, number one, for his purpose, number two, to teach us principles. So we have a virus that has raised itself up that has become, quite frankly, more than the virus. The virus has now become 
political. The virus itself has now become political. It has become, I'm not just necessarily talking about Republican, Democrat political. I'm talking about religious political. I'm talking about it's not just separating Republicans and Democrats. It's separating preachers. It's separating churches. It's separating ideals of what Christianity is. But we shouldn't be shocked. God told us in the last days things like this was going to happen. He told us there'd be earthquakes in diverse places. He told us there'd be pestilence, which is viruses and incommunicable diseases that are being transferred. Are y'all hearing me? Jesus said that. Well, look, watch this. Remember, the natural, then the spiritual. Get this revelation. If Jesus says in the last days there will be an increase in natural earthquakes, that is a natural sign of spiritual earthquakes that are coming. If there's wars and rumors of wars, according to Matthew 24, in the natural, then that should tell us when you begin to see those, prepare yourself for all-out spiritual warfare as such you've never seen. There shall be pestilence, viruses, in the natural, in the last days. Well, that should tell you that there's going to be some mental, emotional, and religious viruses that are going to infect and transmit within the body of Christ. We are told how to protect our body from this virus. We are called the body of Christ. Hebrews said this in chapter 12. Remember, Jesus said, in the last days there'll be earthquakes all over the place like you've never seen. And it's happening. I mean, it's happening all over the world. You don't hear about it because they got so much other stuff they're trying to tell you to distract you from what's going on. But there are earthquakes happening on a, on a level that's never happened. There are things happening in the nature, natural realm that's never happened. Do you understand that this, this week we're going to experience something in the Gulf of Mexico that's never happened? Two named, two named hurricanes are going to be in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time. That has never happened in the history of records. And I think one of them's named Laura. Well, you know what comes not long after Laura? This is the one I'm looking for because I saw the list of names. When it gets to the end this year, it's Hurricane Nana. It is. It's Hurricane Nana. When I saw that, I was like, this world is not ready for Hurricane Nana. She's going to be mad. She's going to tear some rear ends up, y'all. She's coming with a switch. <laughs> y'all better get ready for Nana. I'll tell you, when you hear that guy, when you hear that weatherman say, we have Hurricane Nana forming, you better, you better call a prayer chain. You better, you better lock up and rebuke Nana. And I, I'm saying that funny. I hope my I hope my words don't come true. But that is on the list. When I saw that, I started dying laughing. I called saying that's like, oh my Lord. One of the names is Nana. 
And by the way, she's Nana. She's Nana. Many of you are Nana or Nana. If you're Nana or Nana and you spell it N-A-N-A, hurricane's coming. Oh, it reminds me, we finally got a time to get away. We, won, we, we was at a pastor's conference, and we won free two nights at a hotel in Chattanooga. We hadn't been away forever. We go, okay, we're going to get away and relax in the... Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg, that's right, Gatlinburg, he was in Gatlinburg. We thought, man, we ain't been to Gatlinburg in forever. So we go to Gatlinburg, it's, it's you know, not full-blown winter time, but in, in the winter, and we get up there, it's beautiful. We get up there, and we're in the room. I look out in the room, and all of a sudden, it is a blizzard. It is snowing like crazy. I was like, Sandy, what in the world is going on? We turned on the weather channel, and it said, oh, Chattanooga, Gatlinburg, and all that is being hit by winter storm Sandy. Superstorm Sandy. I was like, I should have known it. I said, Are you kidding me? Superstorm Sandy. Listen to what Hebrews said in chapter 12. See that you do not refuse him. You need to listen. This is a prophetic word of the spirit condition in the same time that Jesus said there'll be natural earthquakes. Watch what he says. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For they did not escape him who refused him who spoke on earth. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth. The earth. Somebody say the earth. But now he has promised saying yet once more I shake not only the earth. But also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. My Lord, have mercy. You wouldn't know it if you looked on some people's live streams right now, but we're supposed to be a part of a kingdom who cannot be shaken. We're supposed, come on, yet once more, not only do I shake the earth, but heaven also. Watch what he says. There is a purpose in the spiritual shaking. There's a purpose in the natural shaking, which is to be, be a doorbell to us, to be an alarm to us, to look up and realize, my God, something's going on here. With The natural things are supposed to make us look for the spiritual. But if you're not careful, the natural things will mess you up so much that you'll care not to even see the spiritual. Are y'all hearing me? You, you, you'll be blinded and distracted by the natural and not even see that the bigger earthquake, the bigger hurricane, the bigger virus, the bigger event that's going on is not happening in the natural. It's happening in the spiritual. Oh, my Lord, I'm preaching good this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know when your wife says that, you stick your chest out. dun dun just kidding. Watch this. The purpose in this shaking, Hebrew says, is to remove the things that can be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. See, things, there's a difference between things that are made and things that are created. 
something that is made came into existence by the hands, the technology, and the intelligence of man. Something that was created was spoken to existence from nothing into something by God Almighty. Huh? So governments can fall because man made them. But the kingdom of God shall never fall. Are y'all hearing me? Huh? Oh, books have been written by the thousands for thousands of years to try to say this is a nursery rhyme and a fallacy. But all those books are rottening somewhere and only a few copies may be found of most of them and all the people that wrote against the word of God are dead and gone. All those that prophesied that said this is a, this is a fallacy and a fairy tale that will never survive, they're gone. Their influence is gone. But this is still here. And it's still the number one seller in the entire world because the word of God is truth. It, it supersedes the natural. So we know what's going on in the natural. It's trying to show us something in the spirit. They tell us to prepare for a new normal. And I got people that's been unfriending me. And I'm okay with it. See, see, thank you. Not yet. Appreciate it. Hey, there's still time. Give me time, brother. Now, what's this? You can't have but 5,000 friends. Well, let me, let me just tell you something. I don't have 5,000 friends, okay, real friends. I mean, if you're one of my friends, I mean, I'm, I'll call you my Facebook friend, but a lot of you, I don't have a clue who you are. But the truth is this. When you get to 5,000, you can't get no more friends. So you got to start removing. Well, I've had to do that a few times in the last year because pastor friends, the people I'd meet and say, hey, man, I was trying to friend you. You ain't got no more space. So I just go through and look at people. That I'm like, who is this guy? I got 5,000 friends, and he ain't even got a single mutual friend. He don't know one person that I know. Goodbye. So I just, I just started moving these people. And I'd get it down to about 20 or 30 people, and I'd, I'd add some more. Well, about two weeks ago, about, about, that was about a month ago, I realized, man, I'm, I'm like two people away from 5,000 again. I got to do some purging. I looked at this morning. And then some purging's already happened. <laughs> I was like, well, look at you, God. You done purged about 50 or 60 people for me. I don't know who they are, and they can't see me now. They can't hear me now, but it's your loss. You don't want to hear the gospel? That's up to you, but I'm just going to tell it like it is. They tell us this new normal. They say the number one goal Oh, by the way, by the way, too, I've been getting a lot of trouble with this one, too. They've changed the goal on us so many times. From when they first started, it was to flatten the curve and all this. They just keep changing the goalposts. But, but here's what they're saying now. The number one goal in the natural is to stop the transmission of the virus. So all the things that are put in place are to stop the transmission, which I think is a very noble and very good goal. We need to stop this thing. Can I get an amen? We need to stop it. People, real people, many of you may know several of them. I know a few who have been hospitalized and even some who have died from this disease. This is not a belittling of the seriousness of this disease. It is just us trying to stay focused on what we got to be now and who we got to be when we come out of this, that we don't forget who we are. So if the natural teaches us things, and the number one goal, listen to this, 
is to stop the transmission of the virus in the natural. I'm telling you, it's trying to teach us something. The number one goal of Satan is to try to get in our minds what is happening in the natural to stop the transmission of the virus. It will become easier for us to accept our part, even though we don't know that's what we're doing, to stop the transmission of the gospel. I know you don't think that will ever happen to you. And I respect that, that you're saying that and that boldness. But think about, are you already starting on me? Did you notice what happened just then? Right when I hit that point, the same stupid thing just happened to my microphone. If it happens again, I'm going to this one, okay? All right. So they're trying to stop the transmission of the gospel. I'm going to go ahead and go to it. I don't want to play with it. Because you ain't going to stop me from preaching. Hallelujah. They're trying to stop the transmission of the gospel. Make sure that you're telling me that we're online, that you can hear me online. 100%. All right, okay. So the devil, the way we look at the virus is is the way the devil looks at the church. Oh, y'all ain't hear what I just said. Give me a little bit more volume on this because I don't think they heard me in the back. The way we look at the virus and the danger and the threat of the virus, that's the way Satan sees us. We are a threat. Are y'all hearing me? We are deadly to him. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. He wants to stop what's on us from being transmitted to other people. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. He wants me in the spirit realm to wear a mask. He wants me to stop singing because he knows when I sing, when he knows when I speak, when he knows when I pray out loud, when he knows when I lay hands upon the sick, they shall recover. When he knows all the things that God told me to do, he's trying to stop the spread of, in his mind, the virus of the gospel. But I got news for you. In the spirit realm, we're praying in the name of Jesus. This is a COVID-free environment here. Everybody's protected in the name of Jesus. I declare right now there shall be no coronavirus. Come now, your dwelling. Okay, now I said that, let me just tell you, on the flip side, we are highly contagious in this house when it comes to the gospel. We are highly contagious. I got news for you. Check my Holy Ghost fever. I got a temperature. I'm on fire, praise God. I'm burning up, baby. I am highly, highly, highly infectious. Trying to stop me from infecting you. If I was Benny Hinn, all y'all to fell out. The devil sees us as a virus. And I want him to. I want him to fear me. Huh? Listen, I've said it before. I need to say it the thousandth time. Every child of God is known in heaven, but not every child of God is known in hell. 
Huh? You didn't hear that. It doesn't say every child of God's name will written, be written in the book of death. It says they'll be written in the book of life. So everybody's known that's a believer in heaven. But everybody ain't shaking the devil's kingdom up. Everybody's not taking a stand against the words of the devil. So the devil ain't worried about them. But I'm telling you, I'm on a mission to be known in hell. I'm on a mission to be known by the devil himself. I want him to know, oh, good God Almighty, Raglan is awake. Oh, good God Almighty, he's got a microphone in his hand again. Oh, Lord, he's praying for people. Oh, Jesus. I'm infectious. Somebody shout, I'm infectious. Somebody shout, I'm contagious. Somebody shout, you better watch yourself. You might just catch something. See, they tell you, you're not really as contagious without a fever. Well, I got a fever. Well, you know where they check your temperature? On your head. Oh, we were all in one mind and one accord in an upper room. Oh, Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Oh, oh my God. There was a flame of fire on top of their heads. And I know you can't see it in the natural. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, the same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 happens in your life. When the devil looks at me, you might see what you see. But when the devil looks at me, he sees a fire on top of my head. He sees a helmet of salvation. He sees a breastplate of righteousness. He sees feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He sees my loins girt about with the belt of truth. He sees a shield of faith in my hand and a sword of the spirit. Are y'all hearing me? You don't want to mess with me. Oh, I remember I preached something like this years ago before we ever even had a building. This is our first church. We preached, had a church we pastored for three years before we ever started Solid Rock Church. And we didn't have a building. We was meeting in houses. We was, I had a bar stool. was my pulpit. And we was preaching in the living room. Had about ten people there. And I started preaching at the devil. I started telling the devil he was ugly. I started telling him he had bad breath. I told him he had bad hair. I said, if I could cuss you out right now, the Lord let me cuss you out. Without getting in trouble, I'd cuss you out. I hate you. I called him every name I could possibly call him. And I never forget it. After church, some young preacher man that was there, he come up to me and he said, you got to be careful. I just, I've been doing this long enough to try to help you, brother. You, you're, when you talk like that, you just might be inviting the devil to attack you even more than he is. Man, I wasn't but like 21 years old, 22 years old. I didn't know what I know now. If I could go back in time, I wish to God I could go back to that house. I'd look at him square in the face because I just said, well, I appreciate the advice or something like that. I can't remember what I said. I'd say, brother, with all due respect, if the devil could kill me, he would already kill me. So I'm telling you right now, don't you tell me I can't talk down to him. Oh, I don't want to be attacked, but I know I'm going to be attacked. So if I'm going to well, go ahead and be attacked, I might as well go ahead and skin his hide and tell him he is not, he can't have my family, he can't have my marriage, he can't have my finances, he can't have my church. I wish somebody would say out in this place. I wish somebody would let the devil know he needs to be scared of you. 
transmission. The word, the, when you break down transmission into two different parts, you've got trans, which means to move across or beyond. Like transcontinental, transatlantic. It means to move. Everybody say move. It means to move from one place to the next. And of course, we understand the word mission. The mission of God is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You ever heard it? So when you hear the term transmission, it should tell you, of course, we know it means something in a car, but even then it's telling you it's moving from one gear to the next. And then, and then it's tied to the, to the, uh, the, the, the powertrain of the, of the car. Praise God, I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about. Sound real good. Uh, that makes the thing move, praise God. The thing connects to the thing, and then the other thing connects to the other thing, and then it moves. So, we are being told in the physical, but if we're not careful, and I'm not saying anything against what we're being told in the physical, but we've got to guard the doors of our heart, which is our eyes and our ears, that what we're being told in the physical to stop the transmission, if we're not careful, it will become mentally in us, which will then become spiritually in us, and we will also be intimidated and afraid for the transmission of the Great Commission. See, see, sometimes you got to break a word down. We broke the word transmission down to trans meaning to move across, mission meaning the, the gospel, take the gospel, that's his heart, the heart of God. But do the same thing with commission, the Great Commission. Break it down, co-mission. In other words, you can't accomplish the mission of God or even the mission for your life by yourself. You've got to, you've got to be in co-mission. Are y'all hearing me? You've got to connect with other people to accomplish the mission. So the transmission is being stopped spiritually for the purpose of, of eliminating the ability for us to touch and agree in the co-mission. Look at somebody point at them and say, I need you. See, the gospel is a go gospel. It involves speaking. It involves moving. It involves worship. They tell us in the natural, be careful of the transmission of the virus through our speech. Well, all of a sudden that becomes mental to us and in, in, in a crazy way, Satan comes in our ear and he goes, be careful. Do not transmit your feelings and your emotions with what you say. How many knows we have something in this country called the First Amendment that, that says we have the right to assemble and says we have the right to free speech. By the way, it says the right to peaceably assemble. Go back and read it. And then in the same amendment, it says the government shall not establish any religion, meaning, never meaning that separation church and state ever really existed because it, it's not anywhere in the Constitution. It was in a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote. 
But here, if there is anything such as the separation of church and state, if it even really exists, it was never meant that the church should not influence the state. It was to be that the state should never bother the church. Are you hearing me? That's why we're founded for religious freedom. But here's the reality. We have all that, but most Christians are now afraid to publicly share their feelings about the moment that we're in, their feelings about the gospel, for fear that they will be canceled in this canceled culture. Fear that their lives will be turned upside down. Their bosses will be called. They'll lose their jobs. Do you see what I'm saying? It has become a mental thing that has now affected the church. Churches no longer preach about sin. Check, check one. Check one, two. Churches never preach on sin anymore. They don't preach on hell. Now, I don't preach on sin and hell every week, but you need to know the same Bible that tells you about heaven tells you about hell. The same Bible that tells you about God tells you about a devil. The same God that tells you about the blessing also tells you about the curse. Are y'all hearing me? We don't want to touch hot butt, hot button cultural issues as homosexuality, abortion, getting quiet on me in here. Well, I don't understand if homosexuality and abortion was a topic that was not in the Bible. But as a pastor, I got to preach what's in the Bible. The Bible tells us what marriage looks like. The Bible tells us the only bed that's undefiled is the bed of a married man and woman. It's in your Bible. It's called undefiled. Huh? It also tells us that before we were in our womb, he knew us. So, it's not that I'm trying to be political. I'm just preaching the Bible. And if you got a problem with that, you got to ask yourself, why do you have a problem with that? I didn't judge anybody. I didn't pre- there was not hate speech. That's just the Bible. If I'm not going to preach the Bible, I need to just walk away from this pulpit and just go get in a cubicle somewhere and sell insurance. Nothing against you if you sell insurance, praise God. That's a great, that's a great trade, okay? I just couldn't think of nothing. I'm trying to get new material because I always say, I just should go out there and dig a ditch and put a pipe in the ground, which I've done a thousand times in the natural of my real life until people started coming to me and saying, what, what you got against ditch diggers? I mean, that's what I do for a living. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I dig ditches. I got to hurry. My God, that's what you call a bona fide rabbit trail. Now I'm back. He says, be careful. They, they're trying to tell us, be careful what you say. This is what John chapter 7 said. It's supposed to be contagious, how the contagious believer is supposed to be. On the last day, John chapter 7, verse 37, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood out, stood up and cried out. 
Said it loud. That's what that means. If anyone thirst, let him come to me to drink. He who believes in me, has, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his belly, one translation said, will flow rivers of living water. Out of his lungs, out of everything that's attached to my mouth, when I open my mouth and begin to speak, living water is supposed to come out of me. But you're going to try to tell me to be quiet. You're going to try to tell me to hush. But if I don't speak, that living water can can't get out. They tell us to be careful of the transmission of the virus through our touch. Don't just, you know, elbow, feet, finger gun salute. Did I get it? I did get it. They're telling you messing with me. I thought, my God, I have practiced this. Only people that could, it's why? Hand pistol, yeah. Shoot him with the hand pistol, the fake hand pistol salute. See, only my regular folks know that that's been a struggle for me to remember that for whatever reason. But shoot them with that, with that gun salute. And, and <laughs> does mess up again. Shoot them with the finger gun. I'm going to call it salute. I want you to know hashtag. We'll start a new hashtag now. Gun salute. No, don't do that. <laughs> that would probably not be a good hashtag. Please forget everything I just said. You just see that somebody posting, my pastor said today, here's a quote, quote, hashtag, shoot him with the gun salute. It's not a good, that's not a good hashtag. Don't do it. James Michael, stop it. Don't do it. I know you. I saw you immediately grab your phone. Do not do it. I'm serious. I'm serious, man. It's going to cause me a problem. Don't do that. They tell us to be careful with the transmission of, of touch. Listen to what God says to the contagious, infectious, Holy Ghost believer. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says, Therefore I remind you, for those that's forgotten this, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is within you through the laying on of hands. Now wait a minute. The next verse has been quoted a million times during this pandemic. But you don't ever quote verse 6. You only quote verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. How many ever heard that? So that's a good scripture for you. But don't forget that that was immediately following stir up the gift of God within you by the laying on of hands. In other words, don't be afraid to lay hands upon the sick. Now, I'm not going to force myself to lay hands on you. I'm not going to walk back there and say, stand up, brother, you know, and lay hands on you. But if you want me to pray for you and lay hands on you, let me just say it. It is totally up to the person. I'm telling you what, I've swapped my anointing oil out for, for hand sanitizer. Where's that stuff at? Where's it at? I'm serious. I had a big old thing of hand sanitizer. Where's it at? That's my anointing oil. Did we use it all that night? Oh, my God, I prayed for 50 people. I just saw that thing earlier tonight, today. But it needs to be up here anyway all the time. But uh, I'm telling you, we had miracle service. I just, I just said, look, I, I love the oil bottle. Set the oil bottle down. Had, I had the team going around with a big old giant bottle of hand sanitizer. And anybody that wanted to be prayed for, they made that decision to come up. I doused my hands in hand sanitizer, rubbed them, cleaned them off and all this, and then I prayed for them, praise God. How I many of those, it ain't got nothing to do with whether I remember getting sick one time, falling in the floor of my, my mother-in-law's kitchen. I was in intense pain. I, I'm telling you, I was sick. I was hurting. And she was, she, she's a prayer 
praying woman, Sister Elaine, and she just she just started going to praying for me. I couldn't even talk. I was in so much pain because of that blockage in my stomach or whatever was going on. I can't even remember. And she said, I can't find my oil. And then I don't know if it was Lee or Durwood. She just said, bring me the Crisco. I'll never forget it. I'm laying on the floor. Going, what did you just say? And it was, it, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the bottle of Crisco. I'm talking about the lard Crisco. She stuck her hand down that big old, she had a big old ball of white lard in her hand and just wrapped it across my head and said, Jesus, you're going to heal my son-in-law right now. And I'm telling you, the pain left me. And I stood up in the kitchen shouting. I'll never forget it. God can use a bunch of fat lard. Somebody shout, I'm contagious. hurry and I'm almost through. I see what time it is. I don't know how long they have church out in Oregon, but we have church for two hours. Is that okay? They say, watch out. Be careful. You may be a carrier. I wonder how many of you in here carriers of the gospel. Mm. See, here's one of the things they say about being a carrier with this virus that's unique to this virus. They say you can have this virus and have no symptoms, not even know you have it, work your way through it, come out of it still thinking I hope I don't get it but you've already had it and you don't even know you ever had it until they check you for antibodies which tells them that at some point your bloodstream started trying to fight this virus and you didn't even know it was in you well they say that's called asymptomatic because if you are symptomatic, you feel the symptoms of the virus and you go to the doctor. But if you have it and you don't know you have it, you are asymptomatic. I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how many Christians are asymptomatic. Oh, how many Christians are asymptomatic? Meaning at some point they got it but you would never know it. Well, they got it one time. And if you was to ever check them, you'd find they had the antibodies and they'd remember in the spirit realm when they had the condition. But they've been asymptomatic for so long. Not only do you not know they have it, they done forgot what they used to have. We don't need no asymptomatic Christians, baby. We need some symptomatic Christians. We need some We need some people to walk in the room and say, oh, you, you don't want what he got. You better stay away from him because I can tell he got something on him. It's something about his eyes. It's just something about, did you see the way he's praising God? You can't fake that, baby. You, you, 
Huh? Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Got too many Christians that's a thermometer and all they do is just reflect the environment that they're in. You walk up, every thermostat's got something built in it called a thermometer. You walk up to the thermostat, it tells you the temperature in the room. I want to look at the thermostat and say, well, I didn't even need you to tell me. I know it's hot in here. I didn't walk up to you for you to just reflect the environment that I'm already in. I need something that's connected to some kind of power that can change the atmosphere. That thermostat has the power to change the atmosphere. Oh, I know it says 74, but it might take a little bit of time, but you can make it 69 degrees in there. Oh, my God. All of a sudden, you start feeling something. You'll be like, oh, oh, yes, feel a little bit better in here. Feel a little bit good in here. Thermostats, thermometers are so proud of themselves. Yeah, yeah, I'm 70 now. I'm 70. Come on, it's time for you to break out of the thermometer asymptomatic walk with God. I'm going to say this. I'm going to close right here. How many people where you work even know you're saved? I'm going to make you say loud and think on that one. How many know where you go to church? How many has ever been invited to your church by you? Do they even know that you're Holy Ghost? How many even knows that about you? Or are you operating on your job in an asymptomatic way? Where they know you go to church because you told them that. They know you're a Christian, but they ain't never caught nothing off of you. hurry. See, the last thing I want to tell you something about transmission is one of the things they said about this virus, and they've said about all kinds of viruses. Many viruses have this ability. Where they can survive on things that have been touched, inanimate objects, even after you've left the situation. In other words, there's certain viruses, and there's a debate whether this one is highly contagious. Early on, they were saying it could live for so amount of time on plastics and different things. Now they sort of changed that, but and it may still be the case. But certain viruses, if I was, if I had a you know really bad contagious disease, you know, I'm just up here doing this right here. Even the 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 oil and the moisture from my hand, even though I would leave, if I was highly contagious, some people who are highly susceptible could come up here and move this thing and touch it. That's why we wipe everything down because who knows who might touch that, do this. Now they got it. So, so they're very, they're to wipe things down. That's why during service, we wipe doorknobs down multiple times. We go to the bathroom. We wipe the, we wipe the stuff down in the bathroom. While we're in there having church, we're doing that. In the children's classrooms, they're continuously wiping things down because we're trying to create a safest environment as we can and also be who we are. But here's my question. Do you have an anointing on your life to where you affect and infect and transmit 
and leave a residual anointing on everything you touch. I'm telling you, I've been, I've been around people in my life that there is such a residual anointing on them that you, it blindsides you. I'm not, I'm not high. I'm talking about it blindsides you. You're just walking up there getting ready to tell them, and you get close to them, and the power of God just begins. They're so engulfed with the glory of God. I've been, that's not to make them up bigger and better than any human being. It's not to make them God. But I've, I've been around people who, when, when they'd walk off the stage from preaching in my own church and hand me the microphone, I could literally just, my hand would start burning in my hand just from grabbing the microphone they just preached from because there's a residual transmission of the oil that's in them. So what kind of difference are we making in the world in which we live? See, here's how Jesus talked about residual. Mark 16, this is it. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In other words, as the believer is walking, moving into the next phase, they're so contagious They're so symptomatic of the fire and the anointing of God that even those that are they're influencing behind them will feel the residual anointing that is on them. That's the kind of life. That's called legacy. That's called influence. One of the things about that series, Influence, that they were talking about, Hunter was talking about, was the greatest definition of leadership ever was by Dr. John Maxwell. Dr. John Maxwell says, you want to understand what leadership is? It's influence. Nothing more, nothing less. If you influence, you're a leader. And he said, if you think you're a leader, look behind you. Is anybody following you? If nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. Somebody say, I want to be contagious. When you get around me, I want you to catch joy. I want you to catch peace. Catch faith. Catch mission. Catch the vision. It's time for us to transmit. Not a virus, but the good news. It's time for us to scare the devil. It's time for us to be who God's called us to be. Can we bow our heads? Praise the Lord. If you're here today and you say, well, you know what, before I can go any further, Pastor Larry, I, the whole time you've been preaching, the Holy Spirit's been saying, that's, that's who he wants me to be. That's who God wants me to be. But I, I, I understand I can't do that without dealing with some things in my life, with some sin, with some, some decisions that I've made, some things that I've said that I know I'm being convicted by the Holy Spirit, not condemned, but convicted by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're watching online right now and you're saying, my God, I just, you're talking straight to me, Pastor Larry. I'm ready. I'm ready to put this stuff in the hands of Jesus. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Larry, I want you to pray for me. I want you to lift me up. I want you to pray that God will change my life today. I got some things I got to give to him today. Maybe you maybe you've known the Lord but because of the pressures of life 
you've walked away from your relationship with God. You've lost that joy. You're no longer contagious. In fact, you've been infected by the reality of the world in which we live now. And it's causing depression. It's causing suicidal thoughts. It's causing separation. But you're ready to get back. And you're ready to come back. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you right now. Thank you, son, for raising your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my good. My goodness, I see that. If that's you at home, you watch at home, just raise your hand. I ain't got to see you. Let God see you, that you're not ashamed. Let us know. Comment and let us know you're, it's you. Church, I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Would you, would you look up for just a moment? Let us not ever, ever take for granted one person raising their hand. Come on, amen, amen. Don't ever think, well, there's only one. Oh, no, 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 no. That's one. Does the Bible not say that heaven rejoices over one sinner being saved? But how about this? There were two hands. And they know who they are. And tonight, today, the way we're going to do it, we do it differently every Sunday. I'm going to let them be right to where they're at. But they, they, knew, they know who they are. Why did you need to see it, Pastor? Well, I didn't need to see it. What I become sometimes when you raise that hand is a push to be faithful to confess before men. A push, your first step of not being ashamed. Because I have no power to do anything in your life. I can't save you at all. Nothing that I say. But Jesus can not only save you, he can restore to you the joy of your salvation. Forgive you of everything you've said and ever done. You will leave here today highly infectious with the love of God and the grace of God. Wherever you go eat, you will infect that environment. When you leave, there will be a residual to the believer. So, church, we're going to help those two that raised their hands and those that are online. You let us know, and we're going to pray for you and call your name out and pray for you. Church, will you pray this prayer with me? Father God. Come on, I know you can do better than that. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I come to you now admitting there is sin in my life. There's only one that can forgive me of my sins, and that's you, Jesus. So Jesus, I confess you and you alone as my Lord and my Savior. I'm asking you to forgive me of every sin I've ever committed. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward and for the rest of my life, I will live for you and for you alone. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him praise all over this house.